Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for joining us today on this Friday edition of Tetelestai. Moses, Jesus, and the Last Days. This is a series that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. And the first message in this series has to do with the last days. And as we closed yesterday, we were seeing how in the New Testament, the apostles had an understanding that something was fading out. Something was becoming obsolete. And that something that was becoming obsolete, especially as we saw in the book of Hebrews, had to do with the Mosaic system. The new covenant has come now. And all that the Mosaic system was pointing to has been fulfilled and found its expression, its goal in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue to look at some of these passages in the New Testament when it's referring to the last days. Because again, as I said the other day, what you believe about the last days determines how you live today. And that's a very, very important subject. So let's get back into this message. Moses, Jesus, and the last days. The last days. Something new is transpiring and taking place. Peter recognized he was living in the last days of something and the beginning of something new. We read this passage as well. Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when we talked about this a couple Sundays ago when Paul was giving a warning to the people in Corinth and he again made a statement to them in Corinth about these last times. He was talking about Israel's history in, in chapter 10 in the first uh, 10 verses, about their grumbling, their whining, their unbelief, their lust, their idolatry. And he says in verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have arrived. Not the end of the world, but the end of the ages. Again, same thing, a conjunction, a consummation, the goal. Something has reached its fulfillment. It's been fulfilled. The goal of it has been reached. The end of the consummation has taken place. Those are important events. They're examples for us in the church, and we need to be, take lessons from them. That's what it's for. It's for us. But we've arrived at a very important period of time and a consummation of the ages. Now, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, the very first sermon that Peter preached after the Holy Spirit had fallen upon the believers in that upper room, and remember they come out, the Spirit of God has fallen upon them. When we say upper room, most actually believe that this was in a, a portion of the temple is where they were at, worshiping together. And the Spirit of God comes upon them they all are speaking in tongues in different languages because people are there at Pentecost at Shavuot for, from all over the known world at that time. Jews from all over the place had come and arrived there and they're speaking their languages. These, these Galileans, these unlearned people are speaking their languages concerning Christ. And the people from those places in various parts of the world are hearing the gospel. They're hearing the message about the Messiah in their own native tongue as it's being spoken through these 
apostles and disciples of Jesus, 120 of them, there on the day of Pentecost. And they accused him, some of them accused him of being drunk. And Peter said, no, no, you don't understand. You know, we're not drunk. This is only the third hour of the day, which is about 9 o'clock in the morning. It was, a time, it was the prayer time at the temples when they arrive for prayer. There's three different times in the day they would go for prayer. And this is the first time in the day. They're not drunk, as you suppose. And this, look, look what he says down in verse 14. Peter says, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice, declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in what days? The last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Peter's saying this is what Joel talked about happening in the last days not the end of the world again there are a lot of people who read this here and because of their understanding of the last days being the end of the world they talk about there's going to be a great revival before the jesus comes back because joel talked about it peter didn't say that peter said that revivals that awakening took place that was taking place then now there may be but you can't base that off of this Peter's saying the last days, the last days of what? The last days of this system that we have been under, that God had us under for a purpose, that served a purpose that was good, perfect, and holy, as Paul says it is, this, the law and the prophets, all of that. It was pointing to something. It was, and, and, and in that, underneath all of that, was Jesus. And, and because of what he's done now, Holy Spirit has been poured out, not just on the Jews, but the Spirit of God is now poured out on all flesh, on all mankind, for all mankind to be able to come and to know the Lord, because that's what the new covenant was established for. To bring in humanity into a relationship with God, into a union with Him. Peter says this is the last days. Isaiah the prophet made an interesting prophecy concerning the last days. Look, if you will, in Isaiah chapter 2. <clears throat> and you'll notice some statements he makes about the last days. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1. The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, beheld concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will be that in the last days, the mountain of the house of Yahweh, the Lord, will be established as the head of the mountains. And it will be lifted above the hills. And all the nations will stream into it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the God of Jacob that he may instruct us from his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion, the law, the word, the teaching literally will go forth and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. Then he makes a statement concerning 
the last, last days about judgment. See, sometimes in one or two verses, you can have the whole of history from beginning to end talked about. When Isaiah talks about the mountain of the Lord here, notice he doesn't say the temple of the Lord, even though that's where the temple was built. Temple was destroyed, wasn't it? So what mountain then? Paul, I mean, the writer of Hebrews even says, you didn't come to Mount Zion, you've come to a different mountain. Or you, you didn't come to Sinai, you've come to a different mountain, you have come to Zion. And he's talking to believers in Hebrews chapter 12. The mountain of the Lord, he says, is going to be exalted. The mountain of the Lord literally means the house of the Lord, which is what right now? The body of Christ, the church. It will be lifted up. It will be chief. It will exceed. That means it's bigger and more important than anything else on any of the other hilltop, temple. Haggai even says that the glory of the latter house, the last house of the Lord, which is his temple, the body of Christ, will be greater than the former one, the earthly physical temple. That this temple will be greater than the former one. He says that this, also Isaiah says that this house, this mountain of the Lord, it will be established, meaning it is going to be forever. God's dwelling place. Look, folks, God isn't, does not need a building to live in. Never has. And he ain't waiting for a temple to be built over in Israel right now before he makes any decisions about his return. He's already got his temple made of living stones. You and me. His people, Jew and Gentile. He dwells in us now. We are his temple. We are his temple. We are the vessels that literally carry the glory and presence of God everywhere we go. We bear his image. We carry his presence. Wow. And that is one of the great glorious blessings of the new covenant. Well, Shabbat Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance up upon you and give you his peace. Lord willing, we will see you again on Monday.